Me? Yeah, you! Well, have we got a lineup for you. Today we're talking about the opening scenes of A League of Their Own. We've got older Dottie, we've got flashbacks to 1943, and boy oh boy, have we got John Lovitz. We'll be talking to Tabitha and Jonathan Carlyle to cover how Dottie and Kit get recruited for the All-American Girls Baseball League. But first, let's hear from Rachel and Tierney how they're feeling about the state of baseball. It, it, the, it, flame, flames, flames on the side of my face, breathing, breath, heaving breaths. And now, here's our show. inning of League of Their Own starts with the Columbia Pictures logo. You can't get any more start of the movie than that. And we're just going to talk through up through the end of the scouting expedition, which I realized as I was taking notes was a heck of a long segment to give everybody. It was a really long segment. We're used to doing these one minute at a time. That voice uh, that you just heard is Tabitha Carlisle. She and Jonathan Carlisle are... Hello. You guys are Movies by Minutes podcast royalty, right? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Second or third generation, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Jonathan, you put together the Princess Bride Minute, and now you're doing UHF 62nd. Mm-hmm. I got to watch the movie UHF due to being against you in a trivia contest. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was the, the best thing you've ever seen, right? It was amazing. For some reason, I had gotten into my head that UHF was a wrestling movie. So <laughs> it was. For, for three seconds, it is, yes. I, I, that must have been the only three seconds I ever saw or heard referenced, but it was a delightful surprise. <laughs> and I'm so glad you guys are doing that. But today, we're not going to do one minute at a time. Rachel and I are going to have you guys dive into this movie, and I feel like someone else should lead up, because the first thing I wrote down was that that Columbia Pictures logo always gives me Care Bears movie feelings, and I am probably alone in that. <laughs> <laughs> the Care Bears movie, I forgot about that. Oh, but before we get uh, like too far in, I want to say congratulations to Rachel on her inaugural podcast hosting movie. I know. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and you didn't do it minute, one minute at a time. The smart way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ease on into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, I love Movies by Minutes podcast. I just I was really ready to do something that didn't have over 100 episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I listened to the commentary track for this section and I think my favorite part of this beginning scene with older Dottie is Penny Marshall dropping the Hans Zimmer who did the music who's an English German and never saw a baseball game in his life. I know that surprised me. I didn't realize until starting this I was like oh my gosh Hans Zimmer did the music. But maybe because he's never seen a baseball game in his life is why this the music here in the beginning just doesn't even seem to match the theme of the movie. It yeah. just sounds... Well, it, it matches... This movie came out in 1992, and like it's a book ended with these super 90s bookends, and the, the music matches that. Because then, like I was excited to talk about some of the later music, but we don't ever get to it in our, our, <laughs> our inning here. So the, right after our inning ends is when there's some pretty cool, really cool score, yeah. and we don't get it. That's true. Just not this first song. Well, she calls out that he basically wrote themes for all the characters. And so this is a variation on the theme that he associated with Dottie, apparently. 
I will have to pay attention to that. I did not know that before, yeah, you know, a few hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So this lady that plays older Dottie, and I don't have her name in front of me. Lynn Cartwright, I believe. Yeah, She looks so much like Gina Davis. As we were I sitting know. there watching it, we were... I, I've, I've seen this movie many times since 1992, and I always thought it was Gina Davis with makeup. Me too. Mm-hmm. I just thought they aged aged her with makeup. I always yeah. thought that. <laughs> it wasn't until the credits of the movie. Yeah. John was like, oh, there's a different person. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if this is a, it's probably a bad thing to admit, but I was already doing research before I saw that credit. And I was, tr- I was trying to find a link between like makeup effects between this movie and Beetlejuice because of the- <laughs> <laughs> So Sorry, Lynn Kite, right? That's my, that's my bad. <laughs> I always thought it was Gina Davis, and I think I got fooled by that is Gina Davis's voice. Yes, they coming dubbed. out of Lynn Cartwright. Mm-hmm. Okay, that yeah, makes sense because voices. I said, but she sounds so much like Gina Davis. And oh, so. her! I'm not going. Cracks me up every time, and it's so perfect. And I'm so glad that they actually did. You know, a lot of times, and especially since they do look so much alike, I'm kind of like, ah, let the person have their credit. Like that's that's crummy to do, but no one could have done that. I'm not going and just packing up the way she <laughs> did. Like it's so it's so her character <laughs> just in here, just mm-hmm. in this 90s. Yes, this is the most 90s, uh, which is funny because this scene definitely is supposed to take place in 1988, but okay, because that's when the exhibit opened. She's going to travel across the country to Cooperstown for something to do with the baseball league that she played in. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's what we get. And I did not realize, I think it took many viewings before I realized it's supposed to be that her living in this house with her daughter is kind of a new situation. Okay. And I wondered that too. I was like, I had never picked up on that before that in watching the minute or the chunk or whatever we, we call it, mm-hmm. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> chunk has quite a ring to it. <laughs> I guess we could call it inning. Inning. <laughs> but that she apparently, you know, lives with her daughter now. I assume ever since, you know, her husband passed away. Yeah, I I never picked up before when uh, when her daughter brings in the mitt. Well, because later the grandson's like, oh, grandma's out of her room. So yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. it must have been recent. But I still was like, I literally just never put together like, this is her daughter's house. This is where mm-hmm. her grandkids live. Yeah. When she brings up the mitt, she says it was in one of those cartons that came over after. Yeah. And I feel like that is such a perfect line that if you hadn't seen this movie, if you don't know what happened. It doesn't tell you anything. But if you know the story of Dottie and Bob, it's perfect. Like it, it. Puts you right in like, okay, enough time has passed that they're now trying to do things to get her to move on. Mm -hmm. But it's still recent enough, you know. Mm -hmm. Also, because Dottie is talking about how, oh, it doesn't mean that much to me. It's not part of my life. There had been reunions before this. And some in California, which would not have been that far for her to travel to. No. So she she obviously hasn't been keeping up. And I adore how proud her daughter is. that She, like, knows her old nicknames. And can't you just... Let's just get us crying right off the bat. Can't you just picture, like, Bob showing his young daughter all the old newspaper and magazine clippings of her mm-hmm. mom as this baseball star? Mm-hmm. Don't you just know Bill Pullman would have done that for <laughs> us? Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Because I don't feel like a theme throughout the movie. She always claims she could just walk away or it never meant that much to her. But deep down, it's like, it it does. Like, it, it really does. Yeah. But it's Dottie's daughter that gets to say the movie's thesis. <laughs> don't you know how special it was? <laughs> well, I think that's... I think it probably means more to her than what she admits, but I still don't think it means as much to her as it does everybody else. But yeah. I think there's still something for her to recognize that that it as an entity was a big thing and she was part of it. And she may not care that much, but, you know, it's kind of nice to connect with other people that did. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that because I think, as we'll see in upcoming minutes, she could have done it mostly because she saw how much it meant for her sister. And they knew, you know, it was if Dottie didn't come, then Kit would never have gotten the chance to get away and make something of herself. Yeah, so basically, I mean, really, she just did it for Kit. Mm -hmm. She just wanted a simple life. You know, Dottie just wanted a simple life. And so she might not have realized, you know, just how meaningful that was for women to do that. Yeah, Dottie always says she wants a simple life, but she has an edge to her that I really love. Yeah. That always shows through. And I I think it shows through in the fact that, like, one of the grandsons sasses her and she immediately, like, shouts back, Weisenheimer. Like, there's no... I I had a grandma who was not a cuddly grandma. People would talk about their grandmothers and baking cookies. And I'm just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. But you love those grandmas anyway because they're super funny. But... it's just a different vibe. Mm-hmm. And I I liked that. And her advice, you know, kill him. <laughs> the yes. end is iconic. Yeah. <laughs> Which I had a question. I had never heard of when she says Weisenheimer. I, I was like, I've never heard that before. I didn't know if that was a common. <gasps> did you look it up on Dictionary and WebberryandWebster.com like I did? <laughs> I didn't. I'll have to do that. So it's super early in the 20th century. The reason I reference both is because Dictionary.com says 1915 to 1920. Merriam-Webster.com says 1904. But it's basically just Heimer was a really common part of surnames like Oppenheimer. Oh, in that era, and it's just wise guy plus Heimer. <laughs> and it literally just means smart aleck or wise guy or whatever you want to translate that to. Yeah, Bring that back. I want to bring that back, man. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Bring it back. <laughs> and not only that she says it, but the way she just tosses it off to a child. I know. It's like, this is a woman who does not mess around. <laughs> I do have to admit, though, when I was watching that, when the grandsons were playing basketball and they were going out to the car, I was like, I'm really glad. For some reason, I always imagined like she would have just taken the basketball and like, whoop, like just made a <laughs> yeah. basket. Like... Hashtag wrong sport. (laughs) So I'm really glad that didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah. No. Well, and it really, looking back on it after watching the whole movie through, it really is kind of reflective, you know, in the advice that she gives to her grandsons of like her and Kit with her being the older one and giving her sister a chance. Yeah. And also giving, you know, her sister the chance to beat her in the end. Yeah. Oh, okay. I can feel my shoulders nodding up. (laughs) So we're not going to stand on spoiler ceremony here. I have never believed that Dottie dropped the ball on purpose. And I wondered if this opening scene is part of why some people do think that. (laughs) (laughs) Could be. It literally never occurred to me until someone was like, oh, she dropped the ball on purpose. I'm like, what are you even talking about? Like, it never (laughs) entered my mind as a possibility that she would have done that. 
But now, of course, watching her tell the younger brother, kill him, like, oh, no, she's yeah. team little sibling. <laughs> and there will be a deleted scene kind of later on that can line, that may lend some credence to her dropping the ball on purpose because they kind of, she's very competitive and I, like, she doesn't realize sometimes she has to take a step back and be like, this is a game, like, just calm down. <laughs> Mm-hmm. which that was not one of my... I'm glad that was a deleted scene. I did not really care for it, <laughs> but yeah. I, I haven't really f- fully thought it through yet. I was curious what other people thought as far as if she dropped the ball on purpose or not. That is still a long ways off in your innings. But <laughs> yes, I suppose you could I suppose you can ask your... Take a poll and ask Ooh. your guests and <laughs> stuff as idea. they go through. Do you think... That's a big controversy. Keep, do you think Donnie dropped the so ball on purpose? So you think she did it on purpose. Jonathan, yeah. do you have a strong opinion either way? <laughs> uh, I think since since I've ever first watched this movie, I, I've seen that it could go either way. I think, it, I think it's in her character to drop it on purpose. She is competitive at the same time, so I, I don't. Thing. I don't think I fall on on either side, but I could see that both sides. I think it's. I don't know. I think the way the slow motion is in that moment too. It, oh yeah. It kind of makes it look like it's on purpose, just because it's so slow. Like she opens her hand, you know. It doesn't oh, have that. She the, gets the walloped impact. so hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never would occur to me. I will bring it back though. Something that is very in Dottie's character that I love from this opening is I never noticed before doing this project that as the car pulls out of the dot the driveway, she says to her daughter, "Well, I still think I shouldn't go." Like she's yeah. in the car going, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she's still fighting it. And I absolutely love the as they're pulling away. Carol King's "Now and Forever" is yes. playing, Ugh. and Lori Petty in the commentary said, "This song makes me cry every single time." So. Oh man. I am not alone. Lori Petty is right there with me. It makes me feel nauseous and I just want it to go (gasps) away. (laughs) They had a moment. Oh, I just can't stand music like that. If it were to come on the radio, I would change the channel. I just can't. I don't know. I just can't. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so sorry, because this originally was going to be over the credits, so you could oh, have wow. very easily just been like, oh, no, I don't. Yeah, I have to look into this more. So Penny Marshall says that this is the song she wanted to play over the credits of the movie. And then the way she worded this, she said, but Madonna wanted to write her <laughs> own. It yeah. sounds a little, I don't know. She's like, she wasn't so, <laughs> so sure on that. Yeah, I didn't like Madonna's either. So yeah, either way. <laughs> that reminds they me. They both kind of have the same feel. Of you wanting to turn the music off, it reminds me of my dad. Because (laughs) the summer before I went off to college, I worked in the factory that he works in. And he had my brother's old boombox at his workstation. And like one day, I was just getting off break. And a uh, John Cougar Mellencamp, or I don't think he calls himself Cougar anymore. I don't know. But (laughs) came on the... (laughs) We know. (laughs) He came on the radio and he just like goes over and he doesn't even turn it off. He just unplugs the whole thing. He's like, nope. He does not like John Cougar Mellencamp. I'm like, okay. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I would do that. If my girls were playing that song, I would totally just go and unplug it. <laughs> what is this nonsense? <laughs> I've never had that. I have had to pull over the Madonna song that is at the end came on and I started Oof. tearing up. It was like, I should not be driving. I should not be driving. <laughs> it's like me when the like ASPCA commercials come on. Either I find yes. the remote or I'm out of the room. I'm like, no. Nope. Yeah. 
No. Thank you. I'm so glad the ASPA exists and does great work, but thanks yeah. for ruining a, McLa- a Sarah McLachlan song. Like, I, I love that album, and I listen to it constantly, and that song I always now have to be like, skip. I know. <laughs> but then we're in Cooperstown. Woo! Which I'm very excited about because I married into a family that goes to Cooperstown oh, every awesome. summer since 1992, usually Labor Day weekend, but... As their kids grew up and started going to college, they had to fudge it a little with move-in days and such. And now a third generation is going. (laughs) We stay at a hotel right on Otsego Lake, which is referenced in the sign as they drive by. So Very it's nice. absolutely fantastic. And uh, and yeah, I've been to a game at Doubleday Field, although it was not with all these former amazing <laughs> players. I just hope when I'm that age... I can still, like, run the bases. I mean, it's like, oh, man, I hope I'm still in that good of operating shape. They're yeah. so good. They are. <laughs> they're better at baseball in their 70s than I was in high school. Yeah. And just watching, like, the lady who plays Doris running around to go to home play, I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and so were those women actual league players, the ones that are playing? I think. I believe so. I'm debating. I have to find out if Doris and May Older are actresses. But the person who yells, get a hit, Beans, I I think is. Beans is a real player. So she is yelling at the actual Beans from the league. Okay. I love that nickname. I think it's Jen Fa. I'd have to double check, though. But yeah, Penny Marshall wanted to use all the real players. And since they were doing these reunions and had gathered in 88 for the opening in Cooperstown, it was probably pretty easy to get together enough people to do this scene. Very nice. So yeah, they do that. And I follow AAGPBL on Twitter. It's just at that. Uh, the official account and they repost when they you know throw out opening pitches or are honored at some local baseball team evening or something so oh very nice they're really fun and then we get to see some male baseball players going to war see joe dimaggio going in he enlisted where is it? Ah, there's a website, baseballandwartime.com, which is becoming my new best friend. Uh-huh. So he enlisted February 17th, 1943. So right around this time. Sadly, Joe DiMaggio did uh, not enjoy, was not happy with his time. That's right. Cause in the Army Air Force. Because wasn't he mostly playing like pickup games on base? He didn't have a lot of like... Uh, so he basically played baseball. That's what I, th- I <laughs> thought I had read. That he, yeah. He was, dra- he was assigned to special services. So he was in California. He went out to Hawaii. Hawaii. But he had ongoing stomach ulcers uh, problems. And so he kind of got bounced around a bit. And then finally, I assume, honorably discharged. So you're saying he uh, had a run of the bases? Oh, <laughs> 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 <Nice>. <laughs> But yeah, he went into the army. He was a superstar, obviously. And when he came out, he felt like he never got back to that point. It put a huge dent into his stats. He It's funny. He That's and right. Ted Williams were super bitter, actually. Like, they're yeah. hailed as these war heroes. Like, literal war heroes. But they were so angry about the time they spent in the war. Yeah. 
Hmm. As older men looking back on it, we're just like, why did I do this? This was a mistake. I should have stayed and like racked up my numbers. <laughs> yeah, because none of those stats counted toward Mm-mm. toward their numbers. Joe DiMaggio and also Bob Feller, who I did not get to meet at Cooperstown, but basically everyone else before before the uh, in-laws started showing up did. <laughs> and I've never laughed harder than reading an article which was like, oh, Bob Feller didn't like to talk about his time in the war. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I knew about him being in the military before I knew he was a baseball player. <laughs> Apparently, he would lead off with that. And my, well, she's not my aunt, but Aunt Eileen got cornered by Bob Feller once and didn't know how to answer his questions about the, <laughs> you know, Navy. And he was like, you need, you know, you young people need to study history. And she's like, what are you talking about? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so anytime I see a reference to him, I just like chuckle inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the movie, it kind of makes it seem, you know, they're afraid baseball is just going to stop. But in what I've read, it was mostly the minor leagues and that were affected. Like most of the major leagues were okay. They would draft up from the minor leagues or mm-hmm. younger. So it was never really in danger of just going away during the war. Yeah, this, uh, it's funny, this newsreel footage of the meeting was an actual scene that was deleted. Yes, yes. Of, of planning the league and of him proposing girls baseball. I did like that scene, actually. <laughs> kind of wish they would have kept it in, but, <laughs> and I like it because it kind of establishes, like, Harvey bars are just crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they dropped the S-bomb in that deleted scene, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> and they talk about, uh, the, uh, lovely chocolate Clark Gable bars that his wife comes up with the idea (laughs) for and she ends up having to eat them all. Yeah, I do like how they, you know, because they don't use direct names of, you know, people from the real situation. And Mm -hmm. so I do like that, you know, even though it was Wrigley that started this whole women's baseball league, that they just kind of switched it and made it like a chocolate guy instead of a, you know, a, 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 a gum uh, guy. <laughs> Same they diff. still kind of kept that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Walter Harvey equals Philip K. Wrigley, and Ira Lowenstein equals Arthur Meyerhoff. Okay, I always wondered who the they Ira Lowenstein would be. no background information no. on them, basically. <laughs> and one thing from that deleted scene is it shows all the other guys being like, well, if you can make money off it, we'll do it too. And what actually happened was Wrigley approached the other National League team owners and basically everyone just said we wish you the best like mm-hmm. branch ricky literally was like yeah you go get them oh i won't be doing that though <laughs> and uh the national he, what he wanted was for the girls to play in the national league ballparks yeah and when that didn't happen that's when he started looking at these different towns and we'll get into that as time goes by but yeah yeah just a little interesting i think i've i've always liked this newsreel though i think it does a good job of getting us from the present back to 1943 yeah yeah i agree because mm-hmm. it's a lot of um it's a lot happening and how w- else would you transition between such two very different things yeah yeah, it is. It is a good transition. Gives the, a little bit of background before we get into the sisters here. Of course, narrated by Harry Shearer. 
Yes. <laughs> I don't, uh, looking back through his IMDb as an adult, I never realized how much he was just like the narrator of my young life, basically. <laughs> or, or young entertainment life, I guess. <laughs> Anytime narration comes up, I have to drop the Lake Bell movie in a world about a woman who wants to be a movie trailers announcer person. I just almost said guy, kind of proving the point of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, are we ready to talk about the Lukash Dairy women's softball team? <laughs> yes. Sure. So we transform ourselves. I think this is the only location tag. I'm sure there is a word for that in movies where it says on the screen where oh, and yeah. when you are, and I just don't know it. But this is Willamette, Oregon, 1943. Uh, shout out to my friends in Willamette Valley right outside Portland. Uh, if you are looking for wholesale produce, Fertil is the way to go because that's owned by my friend's family. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we we were in Portland, but we were not in this part of Oregon when we went out there. This is rural industrial team, 1940s. This is how a lot of women were scouted. They played for industrial teams and the scouts would go out there. A lot of times the, like, if this had been in the Midwest, it probably would have been that the Dairy League they all play and organized a tryouts for the scouts to come to. But because this is in Oregon so far from Chicago, we just have John Lovitz. <laughs> mm -hmm. Living the dream of everyone who's ever sat behind someone standing up. <laughs> and he is so John Lovitz in, the, <laughs> in this movie. There is like no disguising or acting. No. He's like the John Lovitz we always see. I think it's important to know that this part was written for John Lovitz. <laughs> yeah. There was never any question of anyone else doing this role. <laughs> and we get to meet young Dottie and Kit. Kit getting ready to bat and Dottie showing the knowledge, but not yet the leadership of a yeah. good baseball manager because she does not know how to convey this information to Kit without making matters worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can we talk a little bit about Dottie and her character evolution from who was supposed to play her before. I had read that Deborah Winger was pretty much set to play her, and then that's kind of how Lori Petty was cast because of her resemblance to Deborah Winger. And then I read that Deborah Winger like hurt her back, and also that you know once Madonna was cast, she was like, "No, I'm out." <laughs> so I don't know what's oh. I don't know if there's a feud with her and Madonna, but yeah. And then Gina Davis was cast, so that's why Lori Petty has like the kind of reddish strawberry blonde hair. They dyed it so they would look more like sisters. The uh, wig that she has called out so many times, only 20 minutes into the uh, commentary track. So she said it was a wig? Yeah. she oh, uh, when, okay. In this scene when they're showing her batting, she's like, yeah, a wool hat with a wig underneath. Oh, That's man. a lot of fun on a hot, sweaty oh. day playing oh, wow. baseball. <laughs> oh. And then later, I forget which scene it is. It's somewhere when they're at the farm. She's like, oh. My wig looks so good today. Like she was just so proud of it. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, I I I've only seen her in real life with short hair. Yeah, I mean, me not too. that this is so long that it would have like been crazy, but I wonder if she just always has really short hair. But this is uh, it's so funny because Lori Petty talks about how, and it's it's so funny because I had just written a whole thing about Kit being immature and too young and how I'm not a fan. 
And she says that she liked the Kit character because she was going through a, her was going through a lot of what I was going through, yeah. being relatively new to filmmaking. And then she says something like being with all these Academy Award winners and wanting to be good. Like she felt that she needed to prove herself in a similar way to Kit. Hmm. Yeah, I had read that too. Kit's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very true kind of... You do get that true big sister, little sister vibe at times yeah. off of yeah. them, though. What I had written down when they're walking after this scene is that <laughs> she feels very young. Yeah. And yeah. like what she's doing, like she's blaming everything on everybody else. She had dreams of being the big hero. She goes too far because like she's saying a bunch of crappy things that people say about her. And the first thing she says is literally word for word a crappy thing that someone said about yeah. her. And if she had just stopped there, it would be legit. But she doesn't. She keeps going like, oh, why can't you be pretty like your sister? And then when Dottie says, who said that? She's like, no, no one. one. Yeah. It's like, but it's well. what she... <laughs> Yeah, it's what she feels. And it it is true, you know, to what many people feel, you know, when they compare themselves to their siblings or others and don't know their worth and, you know, who they are. But yeah, I think that was kind of my feeling, you know, looking back at Kit at the end of the movie, you know, just over the whole thing, is that she just seemed very young and immature Mm -hmm. the whole time, you know, and yeah, she just, she, she acts younger than what I think her age is supposed to be, kind of. Although I I guess I don't know what her age is supposed to be. I assume she's called, I mean, a lot of the players were super young. I think almost everyone drafted into League was between the ages of 17 and 23 when they started. Something that I read said that they were, um, they were as young as 15. There was, um, towards the end of the League, because it became harder and harder to find people who were able to do it, basically, as it got more baseball-like. Because the league started out actually a softball league. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which they obviously changed for the movie for reasons of excitement (laughs) and ease. Because the the name changed like four different times. So they just picked one and ran with it. And I don't blame (laughs) them for that. But the problem is when they started the league in the 40s, they were playing softball with a few modifications. And by the late or by the early 50s, they were playing baseball with some modifications. And so Mm -hmm. recruiting players became a lot harder. And that's when you start to see, I think there was someone who was technically 14 when she signed her contract. And so, and because she talks about like the only reason her parents were willing to let her do it is because they had the chaperones on the team. She says, you know, the older girls took her under my wing because at that point, some of them have been playing the league for 10 years, you know? Dottie Kamenshek, who's one of the inspirations for Dottie here. She joined the league young. She played on an industrial team. She wasn't, you know, a baby, but she was young. And then she played for 12 years. And she's like, I was a full grown up by the time I left. Like me towards the end of my career was a very different person than me towards the beginning. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, but you're right. It is frustratingly annoying. Even if you know exactly why someone is being immature and bitter, it's still rough to watch. And I have to say, all right, so there is a theory amongst baseball Twitter that you are either a pitching person or a batting person. And what that means is if you were to sit and watch gifts of things over and over again, would you rather see a really sexy pitch or a really <laughs> sexy swing? Hmm. And you can only be one or the other. There is no, like, your brain <laughs> wants one thing or the other. What about, like, base running? I just want to see somebody sexily run between bases. 
<laughs> Slide on into home. I am a batting person, and I was like cringing during Kits at Bat. She is so bouncy, and it is yeah. so ugly. And then Dottie gets up there, and you're just like, ah. I love her look <laughs> on the on the after the first pitch. Mm-hmm. Like she kind of gives this kind of like not snarky look, but just kind of like a come on, I dare you. <laughs> Like, just the look she gives. And yeah, I, I agree. Like, Kit's stance, even. I'm like, I, I don't I don't know. I don't... Like, you're almost on your tiptoes, and your bat's like... I, I was just... Mm, I don't know. Yeah. It's not great. I had to... When... Because obviously, you know, Dottie hits in the winning runs, but she never crosses home plate. She just kind of stops. And I, I oh. just wondered, because I'm like, ten, technically... You have to cross home plate for your run to count, like, because two players yeah. cross the plate, but Dottie never does. I thought she jogged in, and that's when all the other girls came over. Which I'll have to watch it again, but it looks like she no, kind of makes it to first, and she's kind of like stops I, I and. I think looks. you're right. She kind of stops and looks. I I think I wasn't wasn't paying attention to the score, but I think I heard someone saying in the background that. You know, they needed two more runs or something. And so they yeah. got the two runs. Yeah, the umpire says that's the ball game after yeah. the second player. Okay, so maybe they just needed maybe the... Maybe that's it? I don't know. I'm, I'm so much of a completist, though. Like, I understand that's how the game is played. I know <laughs> sometimes we play card games and everybody understands the rules of the card game. And we all know when to fold because, you know, oh, they won. Yeah. Uh, but it always kind of bugs me when someone doesn't just finish, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, just, yeah. just play it out, finish. I know it's <laughs> unnecessary, but just do it. We're talking to you, Euchre. Yeah. That'd be like me, you know, if you're running, if I'm running a race, to be like, oh, the, the first person crossed the finish line. Just everybody stop, stop where you are. I'd be right. like, no, I must cross the finish line. Speaking of running, I think one of my favorite notes, and Lori Petty had a lot of quotes, obviously, uh, that I am referencing here, but her talking about how hard it was to look like she was running oh as hard gosh. as she could, but not beat Gina Davis. Yeah, because she actually was a faster. <laughs> that would be so hard. But I was really glad uh, listening to it carefully because I was convinced that I had found a continuity error and that the line was, uh, my leg's long and yours. And then I thought she said, I run fairly. And it's, no. <laughs> Gina Davis, Dottie says, I win. And she says, barely. barely. And I don't know what my brain was doing before closed captioning. <laughs> <laughs> but before we move on to one of the greatest scenes in movie history, <laughs> I have to give a shout out to that umpire. I could not tell from the voices if it was Megan Kavanaugh, who plays Marla Hooch, or the actress who plays Betty Spaghetti because I don't know their voices that well yet to oh. do. And and Megan Kavanaugh sounds different than she does as Marla, so it was a little yeah. confusing. But one of them said uh, they're from the same hometown as the person playing the ump. And apparently he got this huge write-up in the newspaper, and then oh, it mentioned wow. like, oh yeah, this actress is also in the movie. And she was like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a peach. <laughs> He's the umpire in the scouting scene. Oh, funny. But anyway, yes. Uh, so it was definitely not baseball at this point. Continue John Lovitz to say baseball about 10 million times <laughs> as he shows up at the farm to recruit Dottie for the league. Which the more I watched it and, you know, they have their race to the barn and start milking the cows. And, you know, I was thinking, especially nowadays, it's like, how weird would it be to just have this guy come in and be like, Hey, by the way, they're starting a girls' baseball league. 
I want you to join. The train leaves for Chicago tomorrow. You in? <laughs> like, it's just so, like, oh, okay. Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, Dottie's like, uh, stop pulling my leg. You yeah, know, like, I she like doesn't believe line. him either. He doesn't really have much finesse. No, you know, he's very like, cut and dry. He is. Here's what's up. <laughs> I, it's nice for a movie. It gives us some character moments. But being the guy, kind of guy he is, I'm surprised he didn't just meet them at the field where they were already at together. Yeah. And talk to him instead of driving all the way to their house and finding out where they lived in the first. You know, yeah, that's know. true. Yeah. It's like he, hmm. he really he really went out his way to yeah to go talk to him. But then we wouldn't have these funny. Him being weirded <laughs> no. out by cow moments. <laughs> yeah, he also he says them? cow about as many times he says baseball. I think. <laughs> At least there are actual cows. <laughs> I would love to find the instructions that Wrigley gave his scouts because, like I said, a lot of things were organized tryouts, but there he did send out scouts, and so I guess he could have heard like, "Hey, there's this amazing player in the Dairy League of." Willamette Valley, Oregon, go see what you can see. Yeah. And we can see, like, he's going to also stop in Colorado on the way back. But I was curious because basically everything about the league references, like, oh, and they were looking for pretty girls. Yeah. And mm-hmm. femininity was definitely very important to Wrigley running the league. But I want to see the actual instructions he gave his scouts. Like, <laughs> did he actually tell them to go get pretty girls? Because that feels, even for the 1940s, like a stretch. I don't think it feels like a stretch for the 40s. That's kind of how it was. I mean, even in the uniforms that they designed. And yeah. I, I'm sure that they said to get pretty girls. Um, they might have even had measurements. Oh, it's, yeah. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. And, you know, I think that was... That was an emphasis, and yeah, I, I won't say too much more because you guys all talk <laughs> about those beauty things and other innings, yeah. I'm sure, when you get to the beauty school and the uniforms. Yeah, and it kind of goes along with the All-American. I mean, they were trying to be, to go along with the war effort itself, too, to be like, you know, you're All-American girls. Like, yep. you know, that's everything, the whole package. Yep, the girl next door. Yep. And it's funny because there's a deleted scene between this and uh, the kitchen with Kit and Dottie talking about his offer. And they reference a semi-pro girls baseball team that came through. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, they were not impressed with those women. Did she say like all of them looked like Uncle Ted? Was that the (laughs) line? (laughs) And then the mom was not impressed. That's what made me wonder about like the whole timing of them leaving because the mom was kind of, you know, they were joking about becoming professional ballplayers. And I forget what the line in the deleted scene is, but the mom was like not on board with it. So it's like it made me wonder like what that conversation was like. Mm hmm. You know, between the girls and their parents, if they, you know, because the parents seem like more traditional, you know, they would be more traditional people. Members of the workforce that are leaving overnight. That's what made me wonder that too. It's like they run a dairy and the girls obviously (laughs) do a lot to help. And they're just, I mean, yeah, it would be more money than what they would make for the dairy. But still, like you said, there's two able-bodied helpers that are just leaving. (laughs) Yeah. 
And as far as the mom not being sure about it, um, something I had read about the actual league is that before, well, and even when the league first started, baseball, people looked on women baseball players as being very, like being prostitutes or very Mm -hmm. loose. And um, so that was part of why Wrigley really wanted to you know, do like the beauty school, the charm school that they would be, you know, have the chaperone and be kind of an upright woman. You know what I mean? That That they they had a lot of rules as far as no smoking, no drinking, you know, uh, all of that to kind of give a better image. And so I could see where a parent, if that was their image of it, you know, just loose women (laughs) (laughs) doing this, that you wouldn't want your daughters being a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Many people did reference that this was a lot more money than most women would make. Yeah. And that was part of it, too. He wanted it to be professional. He's like, this is your job. This is all you're doing. Yeah. Focus on this. And I think that also, I mean, you wouldn't think, oh, and the women make a lot of money doing it. Maybe (laughs) doesn't help with the uh, image, but being paid well to play, being taken serious. Like, obviously, someone's taking you seriously if they're giving you $70 a week, you know? Right. And I was horrified, but it makes sense that at least one player did say she was a teacher in the off season. And she's like, I make way more during the summer than I do the rest of the year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we have to do some John Lovitz quoting before I can ask (laughs) about Kit and her like journey because, well, thanks for that extra special glimpse into her life is (laughs) one of my favorite. I've thought it in my head so many times in my life. (laughs) And then I was so excited to finally figure out what the phrase no skin off my Ashtabula means. And I'm just like, it's a town in Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) That's my first thought. It sounds like ass, I guess. (laughs) Oh my god, Rachel. <laughs> That's right. I'll go there. I'll list. visit there. <laughs> oh, good. To get a picture in the sign. That would be amazing. <laughs> and uh, they go out, and I was really excited to think that maybe this cow that he tells to shut up was the one who gave birth. Oh on my screen, gosh. But apparently yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, so I apparently was looking Lovitz for that. I was looking for it because Lovitz is such a pro that he. Did not pay any attention to what these cows were doing. And so he did not notice when a cow began to birth another cow behind him. And I really wanted it to be this cow, but apparently this is just a loud cow. I wish he would have noticed. I would have loved to see his reaction on camera. To see, you know, how he, how, just seeing how he interacts with, you know, the chickens and, and such, just to be like what he would have done if he would have. It's called a leash. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, apparently he had stuff in his pant cuffs to attract the chickens to him. Oh, To give them that, like, she says all sorts of stuff. And then she was like, yeah, like eggshells and stuff. And I'm like, would that attract a chicken? That feels a little weird. I don't know. My grandparents used to crush up eggshells and put it in with the chicken feed. Okay, so maybe that, that was part of it. Kind of protein. Uh, animals oh, are yeah. indiscriminate sometimes. That yeah. Way. But that was not actually my favorite trivia that I found out about John Lovitz in this scene. Because I had heard about the... Uh, <laughs> Baby cow and all those things. No, no. What I learned was that John Lovitz used a pseudonym at the hotel, as many actors do on location. (laughs) And at the Four Seasons, his name was, do you want to say it then? (laughs) Oh, I didn't. Let me see. Oh, I wrote it down. Mrs. Edna Poopily Doop. (laughs) Edna 
poopily do. <laughs> and would insist upon being addressed as such. Oh, my word. <laughs> the missus was very important to him. <laughs> That's funny. My real question with the scene was, do we think Kit would have found another way out? Obviously not in the scope of this movie, but like in hmm. real life. <laughs> I don't know. I think if I think if she if Dottie hadn't gone, I think Kit would have been stuck there. I think she would have married that guy that liked her at the Mitch. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. at, One step at above the baseball a field. And Poor that was Mitch. that was her probably her only chance to get married and out of this house. But yeah, she yeah. wouldn't have been happy probably because she always wants something more. Yeah, she definitely would have been happy married to Mitch. Yeah. (laughs) Poor Mitch. I loved the one thing that I am sad we lost in that deleted scene about them talking about the league and what it would mean to go is that we get the story of Bob and Dottie's wedding. Yes, that was so good. And I was sad to lose that because I feel like it says a lot about Dottie that I did not see coming. Yeah. So, uh, Tabitha, John, have you ever heard about this? No, I I, I I never even thought about deleted scenes in this movie. So it, it sounds like the movie could have been twice as long with all of these things. Yeah, it was originally <laughs> like four hours long, wasn't it? Yeah, there's a four-hour edit somewhere. Wow. wow. <laughs> Apparently, Bob and Dottie had been dating for a while, saving up, planning to get married, and he got drafted, so they were married that night. According to Kit, by a minister who wouldn't even bother to change out of his pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That is not what I pictured no. for her <laughs> wedding at all. But I kind of like it. Yeah. <laughs> she seems like a different person when she's the person who's like, because she says something when Kit's like, you could have gotten married years ago. She's like, I like to be sure. Yeah, and exactly. She's like, you got married that night. <laughs> <laughs> there were probably a lot of people. I wonder, but I bet I bet there were a lot of people that just got married last minute like that yeah. before yeah. their man went oh, off yeah. to war. Oh yeah, my uh, great grandma or my grandmother in law, Grandma Jerry, got married in the two weeks leave. So many people did that they there literally was like a cottage industry because all the men got drafted, they went off to basic, and then they came home for two weeks before being sent to their actual assignments, and hundreds of them got married in that time. And so, yeah, he came home, proposed, they were engaged, they got married, they went on their honeymoon to Nantucket, and then he went to Italy. Wow. Oh, wow, yeah. And she said, she's like, oh, we all, like, and then it was weird because, like, we were still living with our parents. Like, yeah. what were you going to do? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that felt very, very real. But, yeah, I just I just was curious what people think if Kit would have found, tried to find a way out of it. But you're right. I think this was – she see, definitely sees it as her one chance. Well, let's, let's think of it a different way, too. Not in disagreement, but as immature and as much as she blames everybody else, do you think that she even has the guts to find her own way out without Dottie? That's true. Hmm. She she blames Dottie so much for overshadowing her, but yeah, she also seems like she doesn't really want to get out of the shadow too much. Yeah, like I could see it where her not getting out, if she never got out, would have been Dottie's fault as well somehow. Yeah. Right. If that oh, would definitely. have been that way. But I bet if she would have ran, if Dottie would have said no, and Kit ran to this train by herself and got on, just the way that Ernie is, he would have just been like, oh, fine. Yeah. You know? And yeah. she just would have went along, and she would have gotten on a well, team. He, and he did feel her arm, so. Right. Yeah. It just <laughs> would never right. occur to her to do that. No. I don't think he would have kicked her off. I think he would have been like, fine. 
you yeah. know, and come yeah. on. So I think if she would have made herself do that, but I I don't think she would have without Daddy. Yeah. Are we ready to uh, bring back swing music? Oh, I love swing music. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I do too, and it is 100% this movie's fault. <laughs> this is Manhattan Transfer's Choo Choo Chaboogie. If you think you're really going to get into Manhattan Transfer in college, don't. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. This is also a joke that I definitely didn't get, but kind of got. Like in my heart, I wasn't sure why it was funny, but I intuitively knew. Sir, your knee. Like it? (laughs) I was too young for that. I was eight years old. I didn't know what was happening. (laughs) But I knew that Mr. Cappadino was hilarious. (laughs) And a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes. Now, in retrospect, having been harassed on public transit, I hate him. But... (laughs) But I love them. I love Dottie throwing the bags, her little like grunt as she throws yeah. each one up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how they have her just like she comes into view of the doorway and yeah. she throws one in and she kind of backs off and then she <laughs> just comes back catches them, throws another one. And it's visually, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's also fun is that apparently this guy is a masseuse that's helping her up onto the train. Oh. The guy that pulls her up is a actor. And a masseuse. And I had to go back and listen to that like three times. Be like, did Penny Marshall just say that? <laughs> they were like, yeah, we got so sore. He was great to have around. Oh, fine. Well, after running after one a train the- in heels, he'd kind of want a masseuse. And then I really debated cutting it on this line for the pure genius of, did you promise the cows you'd rake? I love that line. <laughs> I think my favorite cow line of his is the... Uh, you know, stay here plucking cows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so long, milkmaids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that hurt. <laughs> so long, milkmaids. <laughs> that was the line that I was like, I don't think anyone other than John Lovitz could have played this role. <laughs> and so I was very glad to hear that it was written for him. Because like... Well, I, was, I was wondering what you guys thought about that, being that this is, you know, a, a league of their own. It's, it's all about the women's baseball. And you certainly have your male characters. I don't know. I think he's... I think he's super funny, but does he kind of ride that line of he's he's rude, but not threatening? Like even the line about the, sir, your knee, like he's, yeah. he's not, he's not intending anything by that. He's just like, yeah. he's just yeah. off the cuff, just saying stuff as he's doing, doing his business. Yeah. His first word of the movie is, hey, fatso. Yeah. That's right. So I think it kind of puts you immediately understanding this character yeah in real life this person would be a nightmare to be around (laughs) right but for 10 minutes of a movie he's fantastic (laughs) right definitely not a good salesman when you're trying to you know get people to come onto your team your business you know you need a little finesse and (laughs) he's 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 a scout i just i feel like they're so curmudgeonly (laughs) (laughs) you know what really tips him over is um for all his awfulness in the scene that's about to come at the end of the movie again spoilers whatever when marla says look that's the man who changed my life oh that yeah and she points to the picture of him yeah and that just tells you everything where it's like yeah this guy was a jerk who did a really good thing in these people's like from these people's perspective he's magic yeah he's literally the call of the hero's journey (laughs) come to life in a jerky person (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i think if he were in the whole movie this would get old really fast yeah yeah Yeah, it only works that he's only in for this beginning part yeah yeah i agree 
And then he kind of hands it off to uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Who has his own jerkiness about him. Yeah. What a movie. What a movie. John Lovitz (laughs) hands it off to Tom Hanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are, we're going to travel on to Fort Collins, Colorado to look at another girl. I was so excited that they said Fort Collins. I'm like, I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) And this is another perfect, it's funny. I think the Kit and Dottie introduction is good, but we've already met older Dottie. We're already getting a sense of that. The fact that we meet John Lovitz and his first line is, hey, fatso. And the fact that we meet Marla and her first line is, I'm sorry for breaking the window. (laughs) It is just instant character. Yeah. (laughs) You immediately know who these people are. And Marla's, I, uh, she was always one of my favorite, (laughs) favorite characters in this movie. It's funny, I'm, I'm going to turn the page, I'll get back to Megan Cavanaugh learning to bat lefty, but um, it's later in the scene, many happy things happen in the scene, love the scene, that moment when she looks up at him and he reacts. Yeah. I was a shy, overweight girl who looked at the floor as I walked. It was something that friends actually commented on in middle school, and I was like, I don't understand. And they're like, why do you look at the floor when you walk? And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's how you walk. And they were like, no, no, tip your... Tip your head up. Get your head, like, literally, like, trying to hold my head up. Like, no, walk like this. I was like, but I can't see what my feet are doing. What are you talking about? Um, This this was my nightmare. I could not yeah. let myself love Marla Hooch when I was still young. I know it would be hard because, I mean, as we find out, like, you know, her mom passed away and it was just her and her dad. So to, you know, and <laughs> yeah, he her says. Her mom's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, that's and and I apparently behind the scenes, Lovitz was like reassuring, like, "No, you really are good looking. I swear, this Aww. is just my line. I'm not Aww. doing this on purpose." Aww. And what I love is apparently Megan's Cav- uh, Megan Cavanaugh's response was, "John, I don't care," and she said, "I'm <laughs> laughing all the way to the bank," and that just <laughs> went right to my heart because most of the roles I know her from, she's playing like. The friend, the funny yeah. friend. Mm-hmm. You know, she was going to grow up and play the nurse in Romeo and Juliet someday, sort of thing. I think what I remember her from was Robin Hood Men in Tight. Yes. Yeah. That, that was the first time I'd ever seen her in anything. So oh, when I first saw her in this, when we watched this the other night, I was like, oh, it's her. That's <laughs> right. Her. Yeah. The joke is always like, oh, wow. But then you get to know her and she's great. And I just. Now I look at Marla Hooch and I'm like, this woman is amazing. Mm -hmm. We must all worship at her. (laughs) Um, It's kind of the same way I went back and um, I rewatched Dawson's Creek and shout out to Jen Lindley, who actually is amazing, but who I hated as a teenager. (laughs) It's just that you got to grow up a little and then you can appreciate these things. Yeah, she was in she was in Men in Tight, she was in Dracula Dead and Loving It, and she was on Home Improvement are the things that like yeah. I remember her from. And recently there was a drunk history on the league and she played Penny Marshall. Oh cool. Oh. So that must have been fun to do. Yeah. But let's talk about how awesome Marla is because she is just walloping these guys. And what I love is that Megan Kavanaugh in the spring training that they did for the movie basically said, oh, I need to learn how to bat lefty. Showed up and they were like, oh, we can have your stunt double do that. Your hat's down anyway. And she's like, no, no, I learned this. Oh, man. (laughs) That's cool. So that is her taking swings. I don't know how much. Maybe they did some of both, but she definitely did at least do some of the swinging. Yeah, and her dad says he would be in New York talking to the Yankees 
Yeah. And it wasn't until, when did he start? Uh, Casey Stengel started managing the Yankees in 1949, and the league was still going. He expressed interest in many of the, uh, definitely Kamenshack. Basically was like, oh, what would it cost to get her on the team? Yeah. The dad dropping that. It, the dad is such an annoying parent of a kid playing sports. <laughs> At the beginning of this scene. And then the minute you get to know these two, I'm immediately like, them saying goodbye always made me tear up a little. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm a parent, the minute he starts saying like, don't punish her because I didn't know what I was doing. I'm just wrecked. Yeah, Yeah, because he he really loves his daughter. And you can see that, that Mm -hmm. he really loves his daughter and is trying to to give her something more. When even when they, you know, when they're at the train station leaving, he's like, nothing's happening here. Nothing's going to happen here. You have to go to where it's happening. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, for a movie that's about a baseball league that specialized in small Midwestern industrial cities, this dunks a lot on small (laughs) small (laughs) cities. I guess they mean more like rural, but like yeah. Fort Collins is not. <laughs> no, nothing's no. ever gonna happen here. I know. <laughs> yeah. You need to go to Kenosha. <laughs> but as somebody who came from a very small town, you know, I was I graduated and I went very far away, you know, to college, <laughs> and I was like, I never want to marry a boy from this town. I don't, you know, like mm-hmm. I just wanted to get out, and nothing was going to happen for me there, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So, um, yeah. And this league kind of is taking the place of college. Yeah. Like, so few people had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I do love that he encourages it. I know um, the actress mentioned that she was crying on her own the first couple times, but Aww. as they did multiple takes of the scene, she needed a little help. Mm-hmm. And they start talking about poppers, and I'm like, I know you mean something else, but guys, <laughs> you need to come up with a different term in the industry for it. Yeah, ammonia poppers. Oh, that doesn't sound ominous at all. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> to help her, to help her cry, and I just love this train scene yeah. of her, Marla and her dad. It is the sweetest thing. Which mm-hmm. I, after watching it a couple times, you know, we learn that as you know, he said before, you know, he raised her on his own as like he would have a boy. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder if it's harder for her to leave. Because, you know, she lost her mom, so she's afraid that if she leaves and leaves him, that something will happen. And then, you know, she won't have him anymore. Like, she will lose him like she did her mother. And even, oh, God, that's so sad. She even says, she's like, I'm not going to know anybody. I know. And it's just heartbreaking because, you know, none of these, they've never gone anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, they talk about in later years, the league traveled all over and some of them went and played in Central and South America, mm-hmm. winter baseball. And they just say, like, it was a whole new world. It never occurred to them that they were going to leave, yeah. you know, Cincinnati. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Lucky me. I live in a big city. There's a lot happening. So, and, yeah. you know, people aren't as, you know, back then weren't as well traveled mm-hmm. as we it wasn't so much ease of travel or affordability of travel yeah. kind of as we take it for granted today that we can just go here and there and yeah it's so weird to me it hasn't been that long since he passed my grandfather never was in a plane mm-hmm. yeah just never took a plane anywhere yeah that's like my <laughs> no. grandma she was you know in her late 70s early 80s before she ever rode on a plane yeah. and it's just like why why would i do that yeah. i'm like i don't know 
because I've been doing it since I was two. I remember Jonathan's grandma telling me about, um, and they're still alive, you know, when she was a kid and they would travel to the town where her grandma lived, which was a couple hours away, but, you know, they're the cars didn't go as fast. You know, it would just take mm-hmm. a lot longer to get there. The cars didn't go as fast. They didn't have, you know, air conditioning or good heat. You'd have so many people piled in if you had a big <laughs> family, you know, and stuff yeah. that it just wasn't as convenient to to travel long distances, you know, or did they have a purpose? Because, you know, a lot of times their family lived right there in the town. Oh, yeah, that they did. So, you know, to that's my aunt moved 40 minutes away and my grandfather <laughs> took it as the biggest betrayal. Marge left the town. It's like she's literally over the line into the next county. Yeah. <laughs> but that was far away. <laughs> yeah. I remember my dad and his family growing up, they lived out in California for about five or six years when he was in like, I don't know, early elementary school. And they had bought an old out-of-service school bus. And then um, it was like my grandparents and their five children. And they drove that from Ohio all the way to California. Wow. <laughs> California or bus, they had a sign. And <laughs> the brakes ended up going out on it like right oh. when they got it. And my grandma was driving the bus at the time. and <laughs> Oh, my God. It oh, all funny. turned out okay, but... <laughs> funny well i will let you guys i will say if you guys have anything else we can certainly talk about it but that is kind of a perfect line into the last note i made of Lori petty's commentary track she gets really excited and starts shouting i lived in rockford illinois <laughs> and my dad <laughs> oh, wow. still lives there and uh then they were talking about the audition process apparently 2,000 girls in la auditioned and penny marshall wouldn't read any actresses who didn't first pass the baseball test yeah and that is a little sneak into the next bit of the movie. Nice. But now that I've done that perfect, beautiful segue out, not to toot my own horn, uh, anyone have anything else that we <laughs> skipped over or missed? Or? Uh, I just want to say that General Omar Bradley does not <laughs> really draw that much of a resemblance to... Uh, I wondered about Lynch. that I think oh, when he said that line. The thin <laughs> lips. I think he's got some thin lips and they, they kind of share that. Otherwise, not really. <laughs> No. Yeah, that wouldn't have been my go-to. <laughs> no, you know what she reminded me of when she first looked up with those big eyes is um oh the guy from Frankenstein movie with um Young Frankenstein. Is it Young Fra- yeah, the guy that has the crazy oh, eyes. Yeah, the guy Igor? that has Igor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Igor. And- <laughs> Oh, has those big eyes, like when Marty she first Feldman. looks up and she makes her eyes so big, mm-hmm. like that's that's who it reminded <laughs> me of. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. speaking speaking of her though, one credit that we didn't mention. Did you know that she was the voice of Jimmy Neutron's mom? <gasps> I did not know oh, that. Yeah, I did read that. I like Jimmy Neutron. I do. The years of our kids being young and just like when you fall in love with kids' TV shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, that was perfectly in between. So I have a sister who is seven years younger than me. So I got to know all the Nickelodeon up to a specific <laughs> point. I basically got two childhoods worth of pop culture. 
But then when she aged aged out, like I remember Jimmy Neutron existing, but it was after her. And now I am just starting to get that with my kid. If you would like to hear the theme song to Dino Trucks, I could probably do it from memory. (laughs) Oh, I was thinking it wouldn't be a very nice of you guys to call each other this in your outros, but you could like in the outro, like one could go mule, the other one dang. (laughs) So I think one of the reasons I'm so actually this is a really good uh Rachel and I will get into this but I th- do think in the first inning it is important to lay our cards on the table I had a best friend who lived next door who was two years older than me almost exactly two years older than me who was much better at baseball than I was but I I had the enthusiasm and my much younger sister ended up being called May because that was the next name down the line. But this is a woman who I still refer to as Dottie and who still calls me Kit. And so I think that is why I am so defensive of the Kit Keller character. And actually, if I ever have a daughter, she will be Catherine and called Kit. So (laughs) it just is a whole thing. Yeah. And her daughter, Dottie, uh, Nikki's daughter is Macy. And when we were talking about this movie recently, she was like, oh, my God, wait, did I do that subconsciously? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's sweet. I will definitely take on the kit role any day and twice on Sundays. Just <laughs> just like the league's uh, schedule. They played every day and a doubleheader on, on Saturday. Yeah. So, yeah. Who's your favorite, Rachel? Oh. Um... Or I can ask Tabitha and Jonathan if you need, <laughs> don't want to be put quite on the spot. You can go ahead and ask them first. Sound- <laughs> Who's my favorite? favorite in this in this movie ball player i would even just say favorite character doesn't it (laughs) could be a favorite ball player but if you feel really attached to harvey or anything (laughs) (laughs) no i i think Dottie is my favorite and i just really like gina davis in this movie but i think Dottie is my favorite character in this movie um just her leadership and her kindness to her sister you know and even going on this journey for her sister Mm -hmm. yeah i just i like her she's got some spunk (laughs) you don't hate spunk (laughs) i don't hate spunk how about you jonathan I gotta go with John Lovitz. I was, gonna, <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. Which is not a character, I guess. Ernie. Ernie is the, the character. Yeah. yeah. I, he's John the one Lovitz. that made this whole team possible. So he's the most yeah. important character in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why we're talking about these minutes. Because Jonathan yep. said, I want yeah. the John Lovitz yeah. minutes, please. <laughs> I didn't even make notes. I just, I just, enjoy, I just watched them. I, I just knew. <laughs> How about you, Rachel? Rachel are you, you, you going to hold off for another keep them wanting more or something? Oh, I don't know. I mean, like Tabitha said, you know, there's I've always liked Gina Davis in that in this mm-hmm. role in particular. I'm trying to think if this is my favorite Gina Davis role. I know. I haven't seen her in a whole lot of other things. I would have to, like, think about it more, but it might be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I understand. I understand. No. <laughs> She she probably likes uh oh shoot and I can't remember his name the little boy I was gonna um, say Stuwell. I what Stillwell uh, yeah Stillwell Stillwell yeah I was gonna Stuwell say Stillwell Stillwell Angel I actually so before I knew I was having a boy Kit was on the list as a definite and then. Evelyn was on the list and I eventually took it off because I kept hearing Rosie Adon screaming, Evelyn! in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so I have affection for his family if that counts. Can I say my, fav- my favorite character are Evelyn's two admirers? 
<laughs> oh man, we're gonna have oh, there's so many great little character moments and mm-hmm. yeah, I think it really says something that Jonathan, your favorite character can be someone who's only in this movie in the first, definitely within the first half hour of the film, <laughs> and that's it. And as you pointed out, it's not a short film. <laughs> I really like this movie. I. I think I had seen it once, probably 20 years ago, shortly after Jonathan and I, I don't know, when we were dating or shortly after we were first married. We are so old. We are so old. (laughs) And uh, so I completely forgot everything about this movie, except that Gina Davis and Madonna were in it. I'd forgotten that Rosie O'Donnell (laughs) was in it. So it was like watching a fresh movie again, because I'd forgotten everything. You forgot Tank Girl was in it? I forgot everything. I forgot everything. (laughs) So it was really nice to watch it again. It was funny. I liked it. And I'd really like to watch it again. And our daughter, one of our daughters came out halfway through it and kind of got sucked into it and watched the rest of the movie and really liked it. And then she was asking me questions about the real baseball league. And we sat down and looked that up, you know, we were reading some some things about the original league. And um, so it was fun. I really like this. I'm looking forward to watching it again and listening to your podcast. (laughs) I am beaming so big right now. (laughs) That is amazing. That is exactly what Penny Marshall set out to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's really, it's really good. It really sheds light on the actual women that, that played. Yeah. And just to know that the league went on for as long as it did until like, you know, 1954. It's like, wow. Yeah. I was always disappointed because I was looked, I was like, oh, there was no teams in Ohio. And it's so close. But there were in Michigan. In Michigan. Yeah, there were so in Michigan. Just too far. Sorry, Rachel. I'm sorry, Rachel. That was just a little Ohio jab. That's all right. There were a lot of players from Ohio, if that helps. (laughs) I'm a Wolverines fan, if that (laughs) that gives me any credit. You know what other character that I smiled when I saw in here? Uh, well, it wasn't the character, it was the person. Was the announcer for some of the games, the guy that played Squiggy yeah. and Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's Squiggy. <laughs> I always liked him yeah. when I watched Laverne and Shirley. He has one of my favorite movie lines of all time coming up. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you guys. Uh, when he says, uh, if you're in the area, and you must be in the area, because this isn't a very powerful radio station. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. I mean, there are a lot, there are so many iconic lines in this movie. And I mean, there are the like cottage industry life of their own lines from this movie that people quote constantly. But I like those little ones like that where, you know, if you've seen this movie a bunch of times, you're going to recognize it. But it's, it's, you know, like, did you promise the cows you'd write? I mean, that could be from a lot of things, but mm-hmm. it's very identifiably of this movie. Yeah. I think I'm going to use the, uh, ouch, that one hurt. <laughs> so long, <laughs> bookmates. <laughs> a little more often. Somebody tries to insult me or something. I got to just let it roll off like that. <laughs> nice. You know, this is a jerky person who would probably not, serve, although he doesn't actually do anything, but he is inappropriate. Yeah. And uh, for all that, he does have something to teach us all when he when he has that <laughs> just ability yeah. to do his thing. Are you on board? Great. Are you not? Fine. Like, no skin off <laughs> his attribute. <laughs> I'm really glad this was an excuse for you to revisit this and, and enjoy it. I'm trying to think it will be very interesting to see if we have anyone who didn't like the movie. <laughs> 
Yeah. Because I feel like even people I know who are critical of the movie, it's not that they don't like it. It's that they, you know, there are a ton of historical inaccuracies. Right. And it's not, it doesn't claim to be a documentary. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. That's what this movie was based on, you know, was a documentary of the mm-hmm. same name. Yeah. It was, you know, to just shed light on and be based on the true yeah. story. So Madonna was not there. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we mentioned at the top, but if you guys would like to plug your Movies by Minutes podcast, I really enjoyed listening to the Completed Princess Bride Minute podcast. That was one of my favorite Movies by Minutes ones that have been done. Wow, oh, that's nice. Slightly biased because I also love the movie. (laughs) (laughs) That helps. That really does help. Yeah, we currently, Tabitha has joined, well, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe it's like spoilers. But anyway, uh, we are working on UHF 62nd, uh, mostly working with my friend David Johnson. And Tab's in the the background, if not the foreground on that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you come back from hiatus, you might hear me. Yeah. Extended hiatus. Extended hiatus. Taking our old sweet time. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best way. I can't wait for this to release and have every week episodes and just be like, wah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I don't have to schedule anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you can hear us guesting on some podcasts and sometime soon, maybe when this drops, Rocky Minute Season 3 will be out Ooh. and you'll hear us guesting on there. And we, we guest around. I guessed around. I don't have my own podcast, so I just... You guessed around, round, yeah. round. You guessed uh, yep. around. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun. It's fun because I don't have to edit. <laughs> <laughs> the dream. Right, right. Yeah. Once upon a time, Rachel and I uh, dreamed of doing Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. Excellent minute. And uh, I was just like, I just, I don't think I can commit commit and all the editing because i saw what jonathan yeah. you know how much time it took i'm just like i don't i don't think yeah. i have the time to do that and that's so. why i was like i've never edited or anything before so i'd be like i don't know yeah yeah it was a, someday maybe. it was a big leap <laughs> you know for both of us to think about that so yeah. i'm really yeah, glad to see happen? that uh you ladies are doing this podcast so yeah. this movie it's a good one Yay! And Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, also a great one. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and and you could cash in on the sequel, just like we are <laughs> totally putting this out at the same time that they are making a TV series about a legal Oh, own. nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Abby just... Jacobson is coordinating, writing, directing. I'd have to look up exactly what her role is, but uh, I think of it as Abby Jacobson's A League of Their Own. <laughs> and that is going to be a TV series. They did try and make a TV series. It was very limited after the movie. But yeah, you got to strike while the pop culture iron is hot sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Get those sweet retweets. <laughs> Well, great. Gotta keep an eye out for their podcast and rejoin us. Yeah, next scene is some tryouts. Oh, uh, I don't know if it would fit here or on the next one, but there is yet another deleted scene. Yeah. (laughs) Of them having dinner on the train on the way to Chicago. I didn't know. Yeah, because I I had that in my notes, but I'm like, ah, where this scene cuts off, I'm like, it might go better next time (laughs) yeah i feel like and that's why they cut it from the movie eventually it was because it was like how do you go from that beautiful emotional moment to the the american flags are literally waving on both sides of the screen and yet 
You're gonna cut to dinner on the train. <laughs> yeah, I think you made the right call. Yeah. All right. Well, we will reconvene another time. Jonathan Tabitha, thank you so much yes, for joining us and leading us off here. Yeah, thank you for having us. It was a lot of fun. So, so long, milkmaids. <laughs> so long, milkmaids. Nay. <laughs> 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 Have a stretch, get some refreshments, and join us right back here for the bottom of the first, next time on A League of Their Own, one inning at a time.